Uh, so yeah, last week when I had mentioned, you know, uh, that next week we'll break bread and uh, instead of uh, having tri-tip, just bring a bunch of different food from various ethnic backgrounds, you know, we have a lot of diversity in our fellowship, which is a beautiful thing. And uh, speaking of diversity, those Indian, uh, the chicken, man, nice and spicy ripple. That was really good. But anyway, it was great. And uh, my wife goes, you know what's interesting? Because I totally was in my mind. She goes, you know, next year will be like our 30th anniversary, not my wife and I. If I forgot that, I'd be in big trouble. But the church's anniversary. And she said, it's so appropriate that you said, hey, bring all kinds of food, a feast of charity. And she said, what's amazing too is the fellowship started in our home. So it's just interesting. We've been meeting midweek at home and we're doing a feast of charity. And it was really heartwarming to hear that because the message I want to share and I actually changed to share. This was not my message until just a little while ago, actually. Uh, it's a very simple message. Very easy to understand, but hopefully very encouraging. Uh, it's it based on fellowship and how important it is for us to fellowship together. You know, the early church didn't meet in big buildings. You know that, right? They met in homes, you know. Sometimes there might be plenty of room in a home, like 120 that met in the upper room uh, when on the day of Pentecost. But nevertheless, for the most part, they had, were meeting in homes for many, many years. Uh, and it's not stipulated. It's not, it's, you know, you can't say, oh, we have to meet in a home because that's not, there's no scripture that says you have to meet in a home. So buildings are great. But there's always been something intimate about meeting in homes, you know. And I just thought it's interesting that we're not having a whole bunch of fanfare, our 30th anniversary, let's have this big celebration. And I love it because we're just doing what we did in the beginning. Getting together, fellowshipping, the Apostles' Doctrine, prayer, worship, encouraging one another, the basics of Christianity, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. And one of the things we had set out to do, so it's really interesting because I just kind of, Lisa always talks about how she's always holding on my coattails, and I do fly, but sometimes I have to stop and take stock and say, okay, Make sure I'm the Lord's will. Make sure we're, on the, we're, we're, we're going forward. We're bearing fruit. We're doing what he's called us to do. And I do that often, but not in the context of 30 years of fellowship. And this has really caused me in this last little bit, very short time, to really take stock and say, wow, the Lord has brought us full circle. 30 years ago, we were fellowshipping, obviously with a lot less people. Now, by the grace of God, we have all kinds of people that we fellowship with not only locally in Simi Valley, but fellowships that we're connected to and live streams and people around the world that uh, we team up with in ministry. And it's just, the Lord's done some amazing things. But I love it because, guess what? Right here, what's happening right here in my backyard represents the simplicity of the faith that we've been able to keep, amen? Paul said, see to it that you're not deceived and that you don't Lose your simple devotion to Christ. Amen. And that was always my objective. I was always heartbroken when I'd read the scripture and I would see men of God, women of God too, get away from the word of God. When I see a really fantastic king, you know, do really well and then his son take his position as he passed and his son lead the nation of Israel into idolatry. It just strikes your heart. And lead many people off a cliff. And you say, how does that happen? And you look historically at many churches and entire denominations that started strong only to be involved in apostasy right now. 
teaching the strangest things, things you wouldn't even recognize as the gospel. And we all need to take heed to that, not only as a fellowship, but in regard to our own lives personally and be somewhat introspective. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves and test yourselves to make sure that you are in the faith and that Christ is in you unless you are adakamas, unless you are disqualified, reprobate, rejected. And so it's imperative that we examine ourselves. And I thought, you know what, when I was preparing my message for today, uh, which I've been doing this lately, I've just, the Lord's been giving me a lot of messages, so I'm like, Lord. And I thought, you know what, I cried out to him, what would be appropriate, what would be appropriate for our 30th anniversary? And I just thought, you know what, as I continue to pray about it, think about it, was just the simplicity of the faith and the importance of getting together in fellowship especially at such a time as this when the government is discouraging Christians from gathering together. Amen? And when things get worse and as the, days of, the day of Christ approaches and gets closer, the signs of the times take place, we're not called to get together less. We're called to get together what? More. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but gather together all the more as you see the day of Christ drawing near or approaching. And this is important because the world is going nuts right now. I have never in all my life seen our nation more divided. Oh, it was more divided, think of the Civil War. But I'm talking about the last several decades. It's a bummer when you're able to say the last several decades and you've been around to witness it. Now that I think about it. <laughs> I just realized, whoa, that's crazy. But I'll tell you what, Jesus prophecies that lawlessness would increase. We're seeing that all over the place. Murders are up all over the place. Crime is up all over the place. Birth pains, amen. And it threatened to get worse because of the defunding, the police and so forth. And Jesus said ethnic group would be against ethnic group. That's, and it says, he says because the love of many would grow cold. When people don't have the love of Christ and they look at each other as animals that evolved from some, you know, single-cell creature in the past, they don't have much value in life. That's why we live in a nation where people don't think twice about killing 60 million babies and about the sanctity of marriage, about the value of family. And all these things are under attack. And we're seeing these things take place. And as Christians, praise the Lord. It's not illegal for us to get together right now, Amen. We should be taking advantage of it because you know what the Christians did in the early church? There were different waves of persecution where they were forbidden to, to get together and they still got together at the risk of their lives. In fact, the Hebrew Christians, many of them were under threat and persecution. We look at a little bit of Hebrews and they still got together. Some of them, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, had lost their property. Some were in prison. Some of the Jews didn't want to come to Christ, Jesus said, because the scriptures say in the Gospel of John, because they feared being kicked out of the synagogue. If you got the, kicked out of the synagogue, it was very hard sometimes to get a job, sometimes to exist on, you know, with regard to your physical sustenance and just have your needs met. That's why you needed the Lord. But they had one another, and they encouraged one another. And what's crazy is the, whole inter the entire early church was Jewish, you know that, Jesus, the apostles. I was just witnessing to somebody recently, actually a guy that came over. 
uh, to my house the other day and he was measuring my floor and uh, we got this carpet which is stained all over the place and Lisa wants to get it out and put something else in and and this guy came over and and he's measuring and everything and and he said he had two Jewish bosses you know and it's because I started witnessing to him started sharing the gospel with him he goes well how come it's not accepted among the Jewish people I go are you kidding the whole early church was Jewish every book in the New Testament was written by Jews except maybe Luke the first church council in the book of Acts in the New Testament chapter 15 was about whether or not non-Jews could become Christians you know so it was quite interesting and we had a talk I had a captive audience with him and I just got a call from a friend named Sergio who I witnessed two years ago when he put in my washer and dryer when I was living in another house and he called me and he has and we haven't talked in 10 years or so and I met him like 20 years ago and I started witnessing to him and he was a brand new Christian but he was involved in some he was so new but he was in some messed up stuff a bit and uh but he loved the Lord it's just a funny story but he ended up coming strong to the Lord and already a believer but grew in his faith and he just called me up to say hey I just want to let you know so grateful you were there and shared with me and so forth and the stuff you gave me the videos and stuff and we had a great talk but pray for Sergio and pray for his mom because his mother she was put on a ventilator with COVID and they gave her 24 hours to live said she probably wouldn't make it and if she just took one step back they said it was over so he was able to encourage his family to pray for family members that hadn't been praying didn't know Jesus right and it started a little revival of prayer among them and she started getting better and she's out now praise God so as this guy I was talking to this other gentleman we had a great talk uh my wife and I were chatting with him she kind of teamed up with me which was great poor guy I hope he didn't get in trouble we had him after he was done measuring for probably an hour hour and a half captive audience at the end of our conversation though he came to Jesus and he prayed a prayer and sought the Lord with us it was beautiful and uh so what I look at my life and I say okay you know what's cool is we're doing the same thing we've been doing since the beginning that's what we ought to be doing we haven't lost our fervor for Jesus our love for Jesus our evangelical hearts I'm not talking about me individually I'm talking about us as a fellowship the difference is from now and 30 years ago is just the, the maturity not just the growth in numbers of people that love Jesus and what God's doing throughout the country and parts of the world in connection with our fellowship there's all kinds of crazy things going on who would have thought we'd have you know millions of people listening to our having listened to our stuff uh 24 7 good fight radio station of different teachers you know a podcast that's number 32 last month in the nation you know regarding spiritual that counts all the new age psycho babble and spiritual christian everything uh that's religious who would have thought those things would be going on the bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings amen all we've done is keep it simple all we've done is keep our eyes fixed on jesus if we didn't keep our eyes fixed on the lord we could be out there you know uh in la la land or something floating around not fixed on the morning star the great the uh, bright morning star as jesus referred to amen and it's imperative that we do keep it simple and we don't lose our simple devotion to christ because in the midst of those verses that talk about ethnic group against ethnic group the love of people growing cold lawlessness increasing and all these things taking place being the beginning of sorrows in the midst of that that's when jesus said many will fall away 
And that's when Jesus said there would be persecution and that you'll be hated by all nations because of Christ's name. Is Christ's name celebrated in the Marxist mainstream and media? No, not at all. It's a name of derision. Those who follow Christ are ridiculed even as he was and his original followers. Those who would seek to do good and live by God's word and minister one another, encourage one another, they're never the ones that get credit in the world system. You shouldn't expect it either. We serve an audience of one, amen? The Lord Jesus Christ. So, in the midst of this, I want to encourage you because Jesus said many would fall away and Paul said, concerning Christ's coming, are being gathered together to him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, don't be deceived by word or spirit or letter as from us that that day of our being gathered together to Christ, the rapture, will not happen until two things happen. First, he says, what? The fallen away and the man of sins revealed. The son of perdition who sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God, the Antichrist. The same order of events that Jesus gave. So the scriptures predict a great falling away. First Timothy 4, a departure from the faith. That's going to be fulfilled. And it's already being fulfilled to a degree right now. You want to make sure you do not fulfill that prophecy. Amen. One of the brothers I was talking to, we were talking about how the Lord has a, amidst all the apostasy that there's also that faithful remnant, right? Of true believers around the world. Those who are sincere believers that love the Lord. Amen. And he quoted the scripture that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in the midst of all the ugliness, Jesus is still building his church, amen? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we need to rejoice in that. But I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you it's so important that you recognize that there are probably millions, millions of professing Christians right now that since the COVID, since COVID has taken off and since the government's encouraged basically a national shutdown, there are millions of Christians, professing Christians, that have been out of fellowship, not obeying the scripture, which commands us to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. This is so dangerous, because as I said, we're commanded to get together even more when things get ugly, even more as the day of Christ approaches. Amen? So it's beautiful to see you guys. It's such a beautiful group of people. You know, I just look out and I'm like, I know you guys, man. I love you guys and we love each other and it's just, a, a, it's beautiful to see what the Lord is doing. Now it's also important to be in fellowship for a lot of reasons I'm gonna give to encourage you. Because guess what? Things can change next week, next month, three months from now where it's even harder to get in fellowship. But you have to be determined in your heart to get in fellowship with other believers in some kind of way that's obviously safe spiritually, meaning you want biblical teaching, amen, physically to where if something was like, you know, uh, people were dropping like flies, like the yellow fever or whatever, 30% mortality rate back then, or even now we're, we try to be wise, we're meeting outside if we can, and we are, and we're able to, so why not, right? But that you still make, you purpose in your heart not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together, because guess what? there's different lines by which people will eventually say, I won't get together. Where's that line for you? Might think about that. What if it was a threat of death that you can't get together with other Christians or you'll be put in prison or put to death 
which is the case for people in different lands on the earth right now. In certain Muslim nations, if you leave Islam and you become a Christian, uh, you're put to death. They hunt you down. Not every Muslim country, but some of them. In China, if you, ha if you evangelize, you can be a Christian, but if you evangelize, have a home church that's not sanctioned by the state, that's illegal. They'll bulldoze your, your church. A lot of that's been going on in the last couple years. We take a lot for granted. And here we are. We go through very little persecution compared to many, what many Christians go through. And we say, Jesus, I know you went through the most radical suffering that anybody's ever gone through. And you, you went through this incredible suffering on the cross. You were whipped and beaten and bloodied and marred beyond any man. Unrecognizable. And you went through it for me. But you know what, Lord? I'm not going to wear a mask for you. That's too much suffering. That's, that's too much hardship on me. Really? Really? I don't get it. No, I'm thankful that we don't have to wear a mask outside, amen? But I'm not going to let wearing a mask, if it kept us from fellowshipping, stop me from fellowshipping. If I have to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. If I don't have to wear a mask and I can get around it, I'll get around it. If we wear a thin mask and still feel safe about it, keep some social distancing in certain situations, I'll do that. But the thing is, is let's not, we got to be very careful because sometimes our flesh just wants to be rebellious. And sometimes we don't realize we're rebelling against the word of God who told us to obey the, govern, the governing leadership unless it contradicts scripture, amen? We want to make sure we don't sanctify our flesh or we're not misled into thinking, you know what, I'm just going to be rebellious. We want to make sure that we do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together and that we don't give Jesus a black eye in the process, amen? Now there's sometimes where, guess what? You just fellowshipping and getting together anyway, down the line, two years from now, a year from now, whatever, they could mock you and everything else because you're getting together at all. But guess what? We have to get together. We have to fellowship. We have to encourage one another. You know how many people have died in isolation of various other diseases? You know that? And how many people have anxiety, suicides, drug abuse, all kinds of other abuse, in close quarters with people that were probably really hard for some people to be around. There's untold things that you'll never even hear of. So there's a lot going on right now. We need to make sure we stay pure and seek, first, seek the Lord first, amen, and are staying in fellowship and that we're healthy believers that love Jesus and walk together in the faith, amen? Are you with me? Now, it's interesting. A United States survey found that more than 70% of the general public and 70% of church-going people believe that, quote, you can be a good Christian without attending church, end quote. That's Rufin McKinley. McKinney. 78% of the general public and 70% of church-going people believe that you can be a good Christian without attending church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about getting together with other believers. Can I be a good Christian and reject God's word? If the Lord says, warns me not to forsake the assembly of myself together with other believers, can I disobey that and be a good Christian? <laughs> These people evidently aren't reading the scripture. It's imperative that we get together because the scriptures teach that it's not just a group of people 
that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're part of the body of Christ, that we're spiritually united to Christ, that we're his hands and his feet, amen? And Jesus, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 14, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. We depend upon one another as a body to go forward, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. And it's so important. Now I want you to go to the book of Hebrews because in the book of Hebrews, it's in chapter 10. Please tur turn there if you can. I know it's dark out there for many of you. But uh, if you got your cell phone, that might be a blessing. Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't, I'm going to read the scripture. You'll be good either way. Hebrews chapter 10 is where it talks about how some of them had lost, lost their homes. Some had been in prison. There was a persecution taking place of the believers. Many were being tempted to go back to the law of Moses because of the persecution they were undergoing. But look at verse 24. Chapter 10, verse 24. Look at the context. Look, think of the context. Look what it says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for, the, for uh, he who promised is faithful. So you're supposed to hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Do not waver in your faith. For he who promised is faithful. Thank God he's faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Did you catch that? We're called to stimulate one another. By the way, that term one another is found over and over. And it has to do with relating to one another, ministering to one another, encouraging one another throughout the New Testament. One another. There's all these one another's. I've done teachings in the past just looking at the one another's. How we're supposed to love one another. Supposed to encourage one another. There's only one one another though in the book of Hebrews and it's right here. We're supposed to stimulate or stir up one another to love and good works. That means that you are called, you, doesn't say elders, doesn't say pastors, doesn't say deacons, doesn't say Sunday school teachers. It's for all believers. You're called to stimulate, to stir up your brothers and sisters to love and good works. Amen? I want to ask you a question. Can you do that by being totally out of fellowship? Can you do that if you're not communicating with other believers? You can't. Are you with me? So we need to be together because we're called to, to stimulate one another to love and good works. And that means that you're going to be stimulating other people to love. Agape is a Greek word there. It's used often in the full-blown love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, and so forth. We're called to stir one another up with to love, encourage people to love each other and to good works. Why do we need that encouragement? Because in our natural, selfish ways before Christ, we kind of tend to live for ourselves. And God gave us this alien type of love, right? This love that's beyond this world. The love that's transcendent, that comes from Him, that was demonstrated through Christ on the cross, amen? That's poured out through the Holy Spirit. And we could revert back to our old ways so easily. So we need to get together and encourage one another to be what God's called us to be. Amen? And to love one another. And to get together and to encourage one another. Now, so many people come to church. Why do you think most people go to church? What do you think? To worship God? That's a really great answer. I hope that's true. Unfortunately, a lot of people go to church just to get some of their needs met. That's not wrong either. 
But that should not be the primary reason people go to church, is to get their needs met. We're commanded to stimulate others to love and good works. We're commanded to be in fellowship in the context of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 25 says, the very next verse says this, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Some in the Hebrew audience that were believers, this is written to Hebrew Christians, were in the habit of forsaking fellowship. There was persecution. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now that's, this is important, because now he says we're supposed to be encouraging one another. And this is the, what are we supposed to, how do we encourage each other? To do what? To love and good deeds. Encouraging your brothers and sisters to continue to be fervent in serving the Lord. Continuing to be a witness to the lost. Continue to be evangelical. Continuing to meet each other's needs. Continue to help those who are hurting. Sharing love with one another. Sharing uh, our bread with others. Our finances at times among poor believers. The Bible says if they refuse to work, don't let them eat either. We're not talking about those who would be parasitical, who just don't want to work and want to freeload. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about legitimate needs. And there's always poor believers. You know, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians to take an offering. He talked about helping the church in Jerusalem because it was a poor church. And he, he saved up money before his, uh, one of his missionary journeys to bring a bunch of money back to the Corinthian church. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Jerusalem church because there was a four-year famine there, because they were heavily persecuted there, because on the day of Pentecost, when, Christian, when Jews came from all over Judea and other nations and people groups and celebrated the day of Pentecost, that's when Peter preached that sermon and 3,000 people were saved. And many of those pilgrims stayed there because they became new Christians and there was enough resources for everybody. So the church began selling what they had, the people individually, and sharing amongst themselves. It wasn't communism forced by the government. It was communism voluntarily loving one another. And they met each other's needs. But the resources were not enough. So Paul was taking an offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And the poor, Jesus said, you have with you always. But we need to be there for each other. We need somebody who doesn't have gas. They said, I can't make it to fellowship. We can, there's those of us that might be in a position at certain times to help them out. And there'll be a time, and it's hard for a lot of us, but to accept when we can't, don't have the means at times from others. So to help each other in a lot of different ways as believers. So it's important that we encourage one another. Encourage one another to love and good deeds. Now it's interesting I was telling you earlier, we just had a study and I mentioned in that study, anybody remember, we talked about geese flying in that, that victory formation, right? The V formation. And do you remember why they do that? And they, they're filed behind each other in a V? Do you remember how much farther ground they encompass when they're together instead of lone rangers flying alone? When they use each other as draft, like a draft car, you know? They use each other to draft. And they go three quarters, almost three quarters of the distance longer. 72% different. And guess what? They're encouraging each other. They're honking. They're honking. They're encouraging one another. And now Geese gets out of the, the, the flock. He's in trouble. You know what's cool about geese too? I used to, I've read up on geese before. And you know, geese are like, you can have, you can have if you don't have a watchdog, you don't like dogs, get a goose. They're really good. You can get a watch goose, Okay. 
I mean, they're really good watchdogs, so to speak. And that's how we need to be for one another, too. We need to take care of each other, be there for each other, stand up for each other in the Lord. Amen? Oh, they're really good at weeding, too. Do you know that? Geese will weed for you. If you, need, if you want a watchdog that weeds, I got some cool watchdogs, but they don't weed, you know? If you want a watchdog that weeds, get a goose. You know, well, guess what? That's what we do with each other, too. We encourage each other. We help each other weed. We help each other with our problems. Amen. We help sort things out. We, we pray together and we, we, we go forward together. But it's interesting because we get together encouraging one another in many ways. We get together, and you're right, sister. We're to gather together. This is why we are to gather together, to worship God. Amen. To glorify the Lord, the God who made us. We also gather together to offer praise to God. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Just a couple chapters later, it says, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, that we give thanks to his name. So when the author of Hebrews, which ultimately was the Lord, encouraged them not to forsake the assembly of themselves together, but to gather together all the more as to see the day of Christ approaching, and to stimulate one another, and encourage one another to love and good works, they're to worship God, yes, but they're also to give praise. We're also to give worship to God. And that's what we started with, amen? A few beautiful songs of worship. Uh, we're to gather together, also to share with one another. Hebrews 13, 16, the very next verse after what I just read says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased, amen? And we just talked about sharing with each other, meeting each other's needs, being there for one another. You know, we just broke bread. I can't believe how much food everybody brought, you know. Please take it home, okay, the leftovers. Uh, and you know what? Praise God, because sometimes you can't bring anything. It's okay. You can bring it next time if you can. If you can't bring it five times in a row, if your heart's in the right place, praise God, because we're here to help each other, encourage one another. We also gather, we gather together to receive the word of God. Amen? The very next verse says in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be an unprofitable for you. We also gather together, verse 23, 24, 25, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as that of some, but gather together all them together all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Why? So we don't fall away. In fact, you know what? Right on the heels of this warning not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together comes one of the strongest warnings in the New Testament about apostasy. Because there's some who are in the habit of not gathering together anymore. And they're in danger. And after he says, he warns them not to forsake the assembly of themselves together. On the heels of this, we find verse 26. Verse 26 of chapter 10. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has, neglect, and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? 
And by the way, the word sanctified is used in Hebrews 10 of salvation. And has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. He's not talking about mere professors there. He's talking about the Lord's people. So it's important. And then in verse 32 he says, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you, en- you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Now, in Hebrews 10, 26, he says, if after receiving the knowledge of the truth, we go on sinning or rebelling against the Lord, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. In other words, it's there. And receiving the knowledge of the truth is the terminology that's used in the New Testament over and over again for salvation. Paul said God wills that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But after receiving the knowledge of the truth and after having been enlightened, if you reject him, this is what's important. Forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, chapter 10, verse 25, can lead to forsaking the Lord himself, verse 26 and following. You you hear me? Verse 32. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. So is that interesting? He lets them know these are folks that really love the Lord after they were enlightened. They joyfully accepted the seizure of their property. Can you imagine losing your home, losing your car, losing your shoes, losing everything, and having joy? How could they have joy? How did they have joy? Trying to find the knob on this thing. I know there's a knob I could turn this on with somewhere. Tony, you probably know where it is, right? Anyway, listen, folks. They were able to joyfully accept the seizure of the property. Why? Because they knew they had a lasting possession in heaven. I think this is up here for a reason. <laughs> so, not for, so listen, folks. Can you do that? You cannot. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Where's that at for future reference? the bottom okay down here somewhere okay I'll break it if I touch it too much ah thank you brother okay just where I can't see it so it's important for you guys to understand you're not in a good place if you cannot joyfully accept the seizure of your property can you wake up tomorrow and be persecuted for your faith lose everything and have joy that, if, if not, you need to grow in your faith, man. Jesus said, rejoice when you're persecuted, amen. The apostles counted it joy when they were flogged, whipped, because they were counted worthy to suffer for his name, amen. The early Christians, Jesus said rejoice. Why did he say rejoice? Because you have treasure in heaven, amen. That's what Jesus said. Do you believe that? In fact, do you believe what the scriptures say, that the present sufferings that we go through can't be compared to with the glory that we revealed? And do you believe what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that we go through sufferings right now, that they, the sufferings themselves are working an incomparable weight of glory? The light afflictions, he says, the light momentary afflictions, they're light, very light compared to something else, and they're momentary compared to the eternal. They're working a heavy, eternal weight of glory for you. And what I'm pointing out to you guys is you have to be spiritually minded right now. 
amidst the end times, amidst things going on, amidst things getting worse, you have to have your mind in the scripture. You have to look at things from a scriptural worldview if you're going to get through and grow. Because remember, what did Jesus say would happen when these things start going down on the earth and things get worse and worse? The hearts of many would what? That's right, they would, they would fail them, Luke 21. People's hearts would fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. And so many people have heart attacks, heart failures because of stress, because of fear, right? But is that how we're supposed to react? No, it's all perspective, guys. Perspective is huge. But Jesus said for his followers, when you see these things taking place, what do you say? Lift up your heads, right? Look up, for redemption is drawing nigh, right? And he is at the door. So things, as it gets closer and we stay together and we don't forsake the seminar ourselves together as the day of Christ approaches, our joy, our excitement should be growing, amen? We shouldn't be huddled and hiding and saying, oh no, I can't believe how bad it's getting. We should be getting together and rejoicing in Jesus, amen? That's what we ought to be doing. And we ought to be bringing as many people as with, with us as we can, amen? Now, when you continue to look at this passage, he says in verse 33, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy for the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have need of endurance. What do we need according to verse 36? Endurance, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So we might, if, you're the, if you're in a righteous one, if you're, as the King James says, the just shall live by faith. But if the justified one shrinks back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those, I love verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the what? Preserving of the soul. Remember Jesus said, he encouraged his disciples amidst the fallen away that the one who endures the end will be the one who is saved. There are those who it says that shrink back to destruction. Don't be among them, amen? Be among those who believe unto the saving of the soul. We've already been saved, but there it's, Hebrews emphasizes our final salvation. So it's really, really important that you and I recognize that it's critical that we are standing fast in the faith together. How many of you watch those animals, man? Those, how many like, how many of you like nature videos, nature movies, National Geographic, that kind of stuff? I love that kind of stuff. I love, you know, to watch the, you know, the hunt, you know, and invariably the animal that gets eaten is either young or dumb not always but almost invariably right and it's the one that gets off on its own you know how many of you've seen these programs you're like there's a whole herd and this guy's like a little bit proud oh, i'm just gonna go over here kind of mosey over here i'm gonna go a little further he doesn't know there's the lions there man just waiting for him to get a little further out far enough away from the other gazelles or far enough away the other, from the other wildebeest or whatever your zebras, whatever you're watching. How many times have you been like, wake up, dude, get back, yelling at your TV, you know? Dude, dude, what are you doing? You know? And you know, it's one thing when an animal does that, but you know what? It's sad when 
Christians do that because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be alert, not drunk, not stoned. Be sober, amen? Be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, amen? What are we supposed to do? The very next verse, verse 9 says, but resist him, firm in your faith. You resist him. You stand in your faith, knowing that the same experiences, I love this, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There's something about knowing that your brothers and sisters are going through the same types of things, right? That encourages you. That's why fellowship's so important. So you can compare scars. So you can pray for one another. So you can say, hey, I went through that, brother. This is what I did. I just stayed in the word, you know? Just continue to pray. Continue to cry out to Jesus, amen? All this is so vital. It's so important that we stay in fellowship, that we walk in the faith together. You know what Paul said to put on the whole armor of God? Because the enemy is very real. We have a spiritual enemy. Malevolent forces, malignant, evil, demonic, dark powers that are arrayed against us. And we need to resist them steadfast in the faith. And I love it because Paul talked about taking the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, amen, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the feet shot are prepared with the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, all these wonderful pieces of armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But he also talked about taking the shield of faith, whereby you may extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Amen. And the cool thing about shields in those days when Paul wrote that is the Romans, the first thing that would come to your mind is would be Roman armor. And you've seen the movies that deal with those periods of time. What would they do? Do you remember what they do with their shields? When all the arrows would just come from the castle walls, they would link their shields together. They had these mechanisms which linked them together, which created like a wall. And then all these arrows would fall into their shields now if you were a lone soldier and you had no shields to link you were more likely dead than the others but when we share faith with one another when we're in fellowship with one another we can link shields together and it makes us stronger it makes it harder for the enemy to penetrate our lives amen so i'm trying to emphasize to you guys how important it is that we're in fellowship with each other and that we don't take it for granted and that we're with one another, fellowshipping with each other. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews 3, 13. And you know, for this message, you know what I did? This message was so easy for me to put together because I was working quite hard on another message for tonight. And I could have finished it very easily. But this message was so easy for me because I was like, Lord, I want to start where we began. And what made Blessed Hope Chapel such a strong fellowship from the very beginning where I remember Scott Pruitt came and visited our fellowship from Calvary Chapel. He became a member not too much longer after that. And he said, one thing I know, Josiah, Joe, that's interesting about this fellowship, he goes, there's so many strong converts stuck in my head. You know, I met with a fellowship, a, a pastor of a huge fellowship here in Simi Valley, not, a, not pastor anymore of that, of that fellowship. And he said, Joe, he goes, he said he envied what we had at Blessed Hope. He goes, we're big, but he said, we're shallow. He goes, it's hard to even get people baptized. He goes, I look at your guys' fellowship. You're not as big, but you're deep. And he longed to see that in his fellowship. And that's no credit to me. That's all credit to God, the Lord God, Jesus Christ, his word, going through his word together, amen? And, and teaching the word, and guess what? Attracts people that want to be deep, that want to be in the word together, that want to dig their feet into the rock of Jesus Christ and stand and link the shields together, amen? And stand and teach the whole counsel of God. As Paul said, 
He preached the whole counsel of God, that to preach the goodness and the severity of God, as Paul said, to not wince and not, not cherry pick and to not, it's not a buffet, oh, we'll take some of this, but now we don't like that. No, we preach all what God, the Lord God says to us, amen? We get a healthy, steady, balanced, biblical diet, amen? And it's very, very important. But when we look at Hebrews chapter three, and we look at verse 13, it says, but what? But encourage, encourage one another day after day. Encourage means to instill courage in each other. As long as it is still called today, man, while you still got today, man, make sure you're encouraging one another. That's your ministry, part of your ministry, my ministry, all of our ministry, so that none of you will be hardened by the what? Deceitfulness of sin. We're supposed to encourage one another day after day so that none of us are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What happens if you're not encouraging others and you're not being encouraged? It's more easy, it's easier for you to be hardened in your heart by the deceitfulness of sin. How many of you know that you've gotten out of fellowship? You start to struggle more. Being in fellowship is a huge key. And by the way, brothers and sisters, we're supposed to get together and while it's still called a day, that's a daily thing, man, encouraging each other. That means you're, either, you're, not, you're not just encouraging, but you're what? Being encouraged. So we're supposed to be in fellowship to encourage each other, but also to be encouraged by each other. Amen? And that, we, can you do that if you're in, not in fellowship again? No. And how serious is this? The verses that surround this verse. And the reason it was so easy to put this message together for me, because these verses live in my heart. These are verses, if you've been with Blessed Hope for 30 years, you've seen me share these types of verses. You've seen me give the very similar warnings in regard to fellowship. Because these are the warnings, these are the things I share with people that are out of fellowship sometimes. Look at verse 12 that comes right before verse 13. A strong warning against falling away. Take care, brethren, that there be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. We're not talking about a professed fake faith. We're talking about truly being hardened as a brother and falling away from not a professed faith, but the living God, a relationship with God. Look at the verse that comes after verse 13. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until when? Until the end. What's the point? Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembly yourselves together as have of some, but gather together all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Comes before the strongest one in the New Testament. This other verse that encourages fellowship is sandwiched between two verses that warn about falling away. What's the point? It's imperative that we are in fellowship if we are going to stand. Amen? Now, hey, you may say, well, what if I'm like sent to a desert island because I'm persecuted for the faith and I can't be around any other believers? Like John the Apostle exiled to the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1. Joe, what if that happens? Well, if that happens, praise God. He's going to take care of you if you're seeking him. Amen? But that probably didn't happen. Amen? <laughs> Don't use that as an excuse to be out of fellowship. It's important that we are in fellowship. Amen? Because you know what? There's so many misunderstood verses. In fact, I was going to preach tonight on a very misunderstood verse and then look at how beautiful it really is when you see the real beauty of it. But there's a lot of misunderstood verses. In fact, another misunderstood verse that I wasn't going to share earlier, it wasn't part of my message, but it became part of this message, was that scripture that says, judge not lest you be judged. You know, that's the favorite verse. You know, the whole world has that memorized. <laughs> it's like the favorite verse of the world. You know, we love John 3, 16 and others, but the world's judge not lest you be judged. And it's like, do you realize what it goes on to say? It's, uh, the idea there is not to judge hypocritically, amen? Make sure that you're walking with the Lord so you can help others. 
And it says, if your brother has, Jesus says, if your brother has a speck in his eye, right? And you have a beam in your eye, first take out the beam out of your eye before you take the speck out of his eye, amen? I mean, the last thing I want is an eye doctor operating on my eye who has a beam in his eye, amen? That's gonna be real messed up. So you wanna make sure you're not a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, you need to fall on your knees before God and say, God, have mercy on me. Make me real, amen? But guess what? If we're not in fellowship, can we help? He doesn't say, forget the speck in your brother's eye. No, he wants you to help each other, amen? Take the beam out of your eye so you can get the speck out of your brother's eye. Are you with me? So in other words, you have to be in fellowship to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Are you with me? So fellowship is so important. It's so vital. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that there would be a departure from the faith. Give, people would give, they'd fall from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctors and demons. But a little bit later in verse 16, he says, watch yourselves, right? Your own lives and your doctrine, your behavior and your doctrine. And in so doing, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. We want to walk with the Lord and make sure we're putting faith in Christ for our own salvation. But we also want to be there to help others, amen? In Galatians chapter six, one through three, listen to this. I love this. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So in other words, a brother gets caught in a sin. He is wounded, you know? And you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Meaning when you go to help a brother, don't get cocky. Don't think you're all that. In fact, in verse four, he says, if anyone thinks he's something, he's nothing. We're nothing, man, without the grace of God. He's the one that gave us life. But it says, looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Don't think that you're beyond being tempted yourself. Don't be high and mighty. Say, I would never fall into that. Maybe not, but maybe and the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It says, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Amen? We're to fulfill the law of Christ. We're not under the law of Moses now. We're under the law of Christ, the new covenant. Moses prophesied about Christ and our salvation in him from sin. And we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. And what does that mean? That means if you have a brother or a sister that's caught in sin, is backslidden, or struggling and not walking with the Lord, you need to be there for them. Amen? And by the way, is this directed to the pastors? Let's say you pastors, to say that. Let's say you elders. Say you church leaders, is that what it says? No, it says, let him who is what? Spiritual. To restore them in a spirit of what? Gentleness. That's for all believers who are seeking the Lord. The chapter before this, in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 and 24, says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace. The spiritual, the spiritual are those who have the Spirit of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, amen? Faithfulness, self-control. Gentleness is on that list, amen? And it goes on to say, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. We've denied ourselves. We're saying, Christ, you're first. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we have the fruit of the Spirit. And therefore you're spiritual. And you're gentle therefore. You're going to be gentle. If you're a Christian and you're following Jesus, you need to simply be gentle with whoever you're trying to restore. Don't start screaming at them and saying, I can't believe you would do that. I'd never do that. You're an idiot. 
That's not what you do. You pray, Lord, say, God, have mercy on me. Use me to restore this brother or this sister, amen? Give me words of warning. Give me words of encouragement. Give me words of love. Help me to know that I too could fall, amen? And the, and the word restore there in the Greek, the Greek word translated restore there is used for restoring someone who has a broken bone and setting the bone, amen? We're supposed to restore people. It's also used to restore rip nets, you know, and I just think it's fascinating because we restore people spiritually so they can be fishers of men, amen? And we continue our work together in spreading the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to Acts chapter 2 as we wind down here. Acts chapter 2. I love this because if you were there years ago when Blessed Hope started, this is one of our main passages. The simplicity of what the Lord called us to, that we said, Lord, help us never deviate from the early church and what you called us to 2,000 years ago. And in chapter 2, we read in verse 41, So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. That's the day of Pentecost. Amen. The church was endued with power from on high. Dunamis, empowered, enabled to preach. Peter preached the gospel. And 3,000 people got saved. And then in verse 42, they were continually what? They were continually devoting themselves. How often were they devoting themselves? What does it mean to be, what does it mean to be devoted, you guys? What's it mean to be devoted? To be fully committed, right? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Amen? What do we do at Blessed Hope Chapel after 30 years? We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching or the King James, the apostles' doctrine. Amen? We're constantly teaching the word of God. Amen? Hey, you know what? We could have said, hey, let's be a seeker-sensitive church. Let's just have a few funny stories couple anecdotal things and just call it a day and then just grow because nobody gets offended nobody gets challenged and so forth that would be the church of joe shimmel or the church of whoever if we just did it man's way and that's not my way my way is the way of jesus but i'm just saying that would be a man's way we're not devoted to a person other than the lord jesus christ amen the whole triune god father son and holy spirit amen and the teaching of the apostles and it's important that we understand that because you know what? Part of the apostasia, part of the falling away in the end times that we read about, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, preach the word in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not heed sound doctrine, but after their own desires, they'll heap themselves many teachers that'll tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth to mythology, to fables, to myths. And right now, people are getting all kinds of weird stuff and turning their ears away from the apostles' doctrine. That's part of the apostasy. The apostasy is not just people not in fellowship anymore. The apostasy is people being in the wrong kinds of fellowship where it's not based on the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles, amen? So we need to give ourselves continually to the apostles' teaching and to what? Fellowship, koinonia. I love that word. I want to say, say koinonia. Say that word with me, koinonia. Such a beautiful Greek word, isn't it? I love that word, koinonia. And we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship in the Lord, amen? We, f- we have fellowship as we continue to seek the Lord together. We, have the, we share the same king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, amen? We have fellowship, we have these things in common. We share the same gospel. 
We share the same book, God's word. We share the same trials and tribulations as believers. We share the same mission to reach the lost of the world with the love of Christ. We're, we're the, in the same family. We share the same body. We share the same eternal destiny, amen? We have koinonia. We share the same spirit, the spirit of the living God. Back to verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to what? The breaking of bread. Amen. We still, after all these years, do communion just about every Sunday we can. Amen. We had a few times where it stopped during COVID. It's like, oh, how do we do this? Then we had to find some bread that we got that people weren't just touching and everything. And we only had a few people in fellowship for a little bit there as far as, because we're all meeting through live stream. But then we say, no, we got to get together. And we're getting together and it's been awesome. But we break bread because we remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Remember that Jesus Christ is the focal point of why we get together. Christ crucified, we preach, amen. And he rose from the dead and conquered the grave so we could have eternal life. So we continue to focus on him and who he is. And we also get together and we do a good job eating together too, don't we? <laughs> Praise the Lord, he is good. And to what? They continued devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to what? Prayer. Before we start worshiping, we pray. Before we get into the word, we pray again. I might pray a couple times at times, sometimes through my message. I know I'm praying up here a lot of times. We don't even see me praying. Then we'll pray at the end of the service. Then after service, people get together in groups or just pray with each other. I love it, man, because in our fellowship, service could be over and a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour later, you'll still see people hanging out together. I was asked to speak at a very large church and I spoke and the teacher of that church spoke and Kirk Cameron spoke and we teamed up and and after the service was over, there's a lot of people there. But after the service, it was a half hour later, I was getting ready to get, you know, getting my stuff together. And there's only 20 people there. And guess what? Every one of them was from Blessed Hope, pretty much. And that's because we love fellowship. Amen. We love to get together. We love to seek the Lord together. Let's not change. Amen. Let's grow and let's continue to pray for each other. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Amen. The Bible says that where two or three gather together, Jesus said in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. And if two people agree as touching any matter, it shall be done. Amen. That's, that's in the context of seeking the Father regarding church discipline and everything else. But there's something to be said about gathering together in the name of Jesus, whether it's church leadership or whether it's church as a whole. Amen. And I love verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of what? Ah, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And that blows me away, man, because one of the really neat things about our fellowship when it first started was seeing what the Lord was doing and having that sense of awe. Why? And I, I love it because when you read about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, 8, it says, and they left the tomb quickly, that is the disciples, the apostles, right? With fear and with fear and great joy, he ran to report it to his disciples. They had great joy that he was risen, amen? And then when we get together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see all these people that have been spiritually risen, who are born again. We wait our physical resurrection, but you have a sense of awe because you see the resurrection of power of Christ in the believer's heart. Something you see nowhere on earth, you know? When I met my wife, she was in Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Alcohol Anonymous, those three. And you know what? She was getting by barely, but man, when she came to Christ, bam, her life totally changed. 
We had a brother get saved just recently. Uh, not saved, he came back to the Lord recently. Nathan, Nathan, you're here, right, bro? I hear you back there, bro. He gave his testimony at the men's retreat. His dad was a son of Jim Jones. Guyana, 900 people killed. His grandfather, I should say. His dad was the son of him, adopted son, who happened to be away playing basketball at the time with a traveling team in Guyana. He was spared, okay? Nathan wouldn't be with us if he wasn't spared. Nathan's testimony was so powerful about how he came back to Christ after being totally into meth and all these different drugs and so gone and so lost. He gave a powerful testimony. All these guys that gave testimonies on the weekend, this men's retreat, were powerful. But Nathan's was really powerful too. And he said he remembered he came with his dad, Mark, to meet me at Chili's. And we got together. And his, they were wanting him to go through a big old, you know, program for addiction. And Nathan reminded the group when we were talking, or those who hadn't heard it before, he said, Pastor Joe told me we have a one-step program. His name is Jesus. I forget how I said it, man. But Nathan, man, put his faith in Christ. And if there's ever been a person that's been transformed by the power of Christ, just look at Nathan's life, amen? He's so excited about Jesus. He goes sharing the gospel everywhere. He shines the light of the Lord because of Jesus. Nathan, you just stick with that program, amen? You stick with that person, Jesus, amen? Because he, he's the way, the truth, and life. And the same power by which God used to raise him from the dead is the same power that gives us power to overcome addiction and sin and the evil one. Amen? And as we continue to witness for Christ and shine the light to the lost world and show them they could have what we have in Jesus, as we continue to gather together and pray together and focus on growing together, we get to see the work of the Holy Spirit amongst our brothers and sisters. Amen? We get to see the resurrection power of Christ. And we get to have a sense of awe as we see the Lord's signs and wonders amidst, amongst us. And I'm not talking about some of the strange things going out there today. I'm talking about salvation from the grave. Amen. Eternal life, which is the best miracle that God does in our lives. Amen. So let's continue to seek Jesus. Let's continue to have a sense of awe. And let's continue to look forward to being with our, our Lord and in fellowship with him forever. I close with this verse, Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Amen. Oh, why not throw Corinthians in there? Ear has not heard and eye has not seen and has not entered into the hearts of men what God's prepared for those who love him, amen? We have got this great trajectory and guess what? 30 years ago was awesome, but it's even more awesome now and guess what? When we're with the Lord in glory, it's gonna be even more awesome, amen? It's just gonna keep getting better and better for the true believer. Oh, it's gonna get darker and darker in this world, but the scriptures tell us in the book of Proverbs, for the righteous, it will get brighter and brighter until what happens? The day star, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, appears and he comes and the kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of Christ, amen. And he establishes his reign and rule or until we go be with him, which would be a glorious day either way, whether it's Christ coming or you dying and going to be with him. The future is great for all of us who are trusting him, amen. So praise God, a happy 30th year, you guys. And I'm grateful that you're part of it and what God's doing. And let's look forward to a grateful several years to come living to God's glory. And I just close with this. Sister Wendy said to me, and she had that crazy dream I shared with you guys. God's still doing things, man. He's doing that all through the course of this fellowship, speaking to us by his word, amen, but also he'll speak to us 
the Bible says in the last days through dreams and so forth, that won't contradict his word, but will confirm it. But Wendy was saying, yeah, I went for this walk and I was going for this hike and, and then there was like this little, you know, hillside or mountain kind of thing and oh, I really didn't want to go up it. You know, I don't like to hike that much. And she said, man, but I just went anyway. I thought, I'm going to stop here. No, I'm going to keep going. And she got there and she got to the top and then she saw Kelly Locke and she hadn't seen him for a little bit and they embraced and gave each other big hugs. And she said, I was just so grateful that I kept going. I'm like, amen, because you keep going, man. You miss out on what the Lord wants to do, amen. Kelly, I saw you today. Kelly, can I hear you say, praise the Lord? Praise the Lord, Kelly, we love you. And Winnie was just, amen, God is good. And, and she said they were talking about the word together and just got excited. But I'll tell you what, you just keep pressing on, amen. And eventually you'll be in the mountain of the Lord with all your brothers and sisters in Christ, amen rejoicing and happy that you endure to the end and continue to fight the good fight. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Give him glory. He is good. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord God. Amen. All right. The Lord is good. Hey, you guys. Uh, Can you all please stand?